Welcome to Roll Factory from Particulate Media, building better tabletop role players one die at a time. I'm your host, producer, and mid-level dungeon manager, K.O. Myers. Today, our series on ability scores shifts focus away from the physical and toward the mental, starting with intelligence. When it comes to mental acumen, Dungeons & Dragons embraces a distinction between education and experience. Intelligence represents your character's book learning, while wisdom represents their street smarts. Just like in life, the line between the two is blurry at best, and how that division plays out at the table will depend as much on your DM's perspective as on any rule. Your intelligence score represents your character's ability to reason, remember information, and think logically. You might make an intelligence check to extrapolate the location of a hidden room from the floor plan of a building, or to decode a secret message with an unknown cipher. When you make a skill check with Arcana, History, Nature, or Religion, you're relying on intelligence to help you recall lore you've learned on those subjects and apply it to your current situation. When you make an investigation check, intelligence helps you find clues and use them to draw conclusions. Intelligence is also the spellcasting ability that powers the magic of wizards and artificers. If you're playing one of those characters, your intelligence modifier will affect your to-hit rolls when you cast some spells and help determine how hard it is for an enemy to avoid others. And here to help us illustrate what an intelligence check looks like in-game is a friend of mine who is uh, someone I've played with and DM'd for. Uh, her name is Jenna. Jenna, welcome to Roll Factory. Thank you for having me. Um, so you have brought with you a character named Bree, who I've played f with and DM'd for. And Bree is your first D&D character, is that right? She is. Very first. Can you tell us a little bit about her? Sure. So Bree is... Uh... A halfling rogue, uh, arcane trickster. I get a real kick out of her. She's in her like late teens. She's a feisty, passionate, and devoted person who doesn't always make the best choices, but you know her heart is in the right place. Those are my favorite characters. Yeah, she's she's a little badass, which I like. <laughs> I aspire to. <laughs> so the, uh, uh, this is your first character. So what was the thinking, what drew you to this this combination of race and class and subclass? So I kind of had no idea what I was doing. Uh, I don't own any texts or anything like that. I hadn't really listened to any D&D &D podcasts or anything before, but I liked the qualities of a halfling. They really reminded me of hobbits, and I think I am probably a hobbit in another life. <laughs> it's always time for dinner. <laughs> always. Um, and naps, and I get it. Yeah, maybe I should check my 23andMe results. Maybe there is a little bit of hobbit in there. Maybe, yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if I had some. But uh, I knew I wanted to do a halfling, and just kind of based on the strength of a halfling and what their traits are. Which is not strength. Which is not <laughs> strength. strength is not strength. They're itty-bitty. Um, so I kind of gravitated towards, well, what would an itty-bitty person be really good at? And I was like, well, they'd be, in my fantasy world, they'd be, like, really agile and, like, really sneaky, like a yeah. gymnast or, like, Charles Dickens era, like kid on the street, just like picking, <laughs> picking a pocket. You don't even know what happened. Um, uh, that was kind of where I landed. And then I, I went on Google and looked up like, what does a halfling rogue look like? Like what have other people who've played this kind of character 
drawn this character or imagined this character. And then I found a depiction that I now fully believe to be Brie and kind of based on her, I was able to come with up with this character's story, um, which was fun for me. I actually like sat down and wrote, wrote out her story and I didn't know what it was until it like came, came out of my brain. <laughs> That's one of my favorite parts of writing a character is sort of, yeah, the class and, and race and the features are important, obviously, but that, especially as a DM, a character with or with a backstory that gives you moments where you can find emotional hooks and, and resonate with them in a way that's that interesting was, was really cool. So Writing out the story was actually really helpful for me as someone who is actually really shy when it comes to like acting and improvisation. I'm not mm. confident in it. And so I didn't, the first few times we played, which were the first few times I'd played at all, I mm. kind of felt like I had no idea what I was doing because I didn't know who I was playing as. And yeah. so once I kind of established at least the, like, the structure of her experience, I was able to kind of play around within it and... I'm still, you know, I still don't launch fully into character. That's still a hard thing for me to do, but I am able to channel my character more mm. because, like, I know who she is. I don't just make it up on the spot. Yeah. And I think that development shows in that your role playing and your comfort at the table have have definitely evolved as we've played. So um, I'm glad that that's worked out for you. Thank you. So the adventure that we played in together as players was The Lost Mine of Fandelver. And since then, our party has settled in the town of Fandolin where that adventure is set and have taken over running the um, Tresendar Manor. I've turned it into a, a B&B, actually. But I have a feeling that Bree has not completely given up her her roguish ways. So when the uh, town was in the grip of the Red Brand Brigands, an amulet of the plains was stolen from one of the better off residents in town. And you have received some intelligence that it has appeared uh, in the collection of the former mayor, who is kind of on the outs now and is keeping to himself and is sort of hoarding his material possessions. And so you have decided you are going to break into his house and steal it back for the for the former owners. Um, now you have been in town for a while and have had the opportunity to case the place pretty pretty well. And so you have uh, a good knowledge and have made in fact made a map of the interior of the building and made notes about the habits of some of the guards that he has hired and places where you suspect that there are traps in the house. Um, you have in fact picked a couple of locks, you have evaded some guards, and you are now standing in the great room of his manor house. Um, and the display case that contains the amulet is in the next room. And as you are making your way across the carpeted floor, creeping quietly as a mouse, um, there is a sudden buzzing sound and a magical darkness falls all around you. Now you, um, as a halfling, don't have dark vision, but even if you did, you still wouldn't be able to see. And you are in the middle of this room, surrounded by... There's a chair and a table and a, and, a, and a sofa, but you are now completely enveloped in darkness. What would you like to do? This is advanced darkness. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> SpongeBob had to come out. Um, okay. I'm standing in the dark. 
but I've, I've cased this joint. So I want to see if I can remember the layout of the house. Like if I remember the map that I drew of the house. That is a fantastic approach. So what I'm going to have you do is roll an intelligence check to basically see how well you recall it and if you can recall both the shape and size of the room, the placement of the furniture, and get across the room without bumping into anything and making a loud noise. Okay. 16. Okay, a 16, and Brie has a plus one to intelligence, is that right? Correct. Okay, so you've rolled a 17 on your intelligence check, which is very good in this context, and so yes, you are able to just take a, a moment, visualize the room in your head, and you are able to get across the carpet you, in fact, I think with that score, you managed to uh, aim directly to the center of the door frame, so you don't even bump into the door. And, and as you get through that door, you walk out of the magical darkness, and you are in the next room. And there is a display case, which will be your next challenge for another time. And that's an intelligence check. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks. I want to know what this amulet does. Next time on Roll Factory, we'll look at the other side of that mental coin and talk about wisdom. Thank you for joining this session of Roll Factory. For our past adventures or to join the campaign, search and subscribe to Roll Factory wherever you get podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, please help us grow our audience. Tell a friend, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, or tag the show in a post. We're on social at RPG Roll Factory, and our website is rpgrollfactory.com. Send your questions, concerns, corrections, disputations, guest suggestions, and brilliant deductions by email to rollfactory at particulatemedia.com. The music in this episode is by Arcane Anthems. Roll Factory is written, produced, and edited by me. For Roll Factory and Particulate Media, I'm K.O. Myers. Myers.